Hi there, working homeschool moms. This is Charlotte from Charlotte Jones 24-7 and My Little Homeschool. And this is episode number 105 of the Striker Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. If we haven't met, I'm a working homeschool mom coach and I help new working homeschool moms figure out the messy beginning so that they can take their first steps with confidence. Happy, happy new year. And I'm back after a much needed break and I'm super energized and excited for what 2024 is going to bring. So be sure to stick around because I have a lot of exciting things planned for the podcast. And I'm starting the year with an amazing guest. This is the second time I speak to Afsane Muradian, who's the founder of MLC Homeschool Coaching. She helps parents who are struggling to homeschool their neurodivergent children. Every time I speak to her, I feel so inspired. I feel so supported and I learn so much. I absolutely love how positive her approach is and how she focuses on communication, planning and connection. It is an amazing episode and I'm sure you're going to absolutely love it as much as I loved recording it. But before we get to the episode, I'd be ever so grateful if you could rate, review or subscribe to the podcast, or you can forward this episode to a working mom who is homeschooling neurodiversity, because I know from personal experience how frustrating and how isolating it can be. This episode is bound to make her feel supported and to make her feel seen. Thank you so much and enjoy the episode. Hi there, and welcome to the Striker Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. This is Charlotte Jones. I'm your host, and I am a podcaster, a speaker, a writer, and a homeschooling coach, specifically for working homeschool moms. I've been homeschooling my neurodivergent twin boys since 2017, and I've been a working homeschool mom since 2017. So I know it can feel really overwhelming to keep all the balls in the air all the time. So each week, I chat about tips and strategies for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mom. I cover things like time management, homeschooling, mindset, and lots of other juicy topics like that. I also speak to awesome and inspiring women who manage to juggle homeschooling and work successfully and find out what their secrets are. And I also welcome experts who can help you on your working homeschool mom journey. I have lots of ways to support you, so be sure to check them out in the show notes. You can download my time order as your first step to managing your time better. I have a Facebook group for working homeschool moms that you can join as well. And be sure to sign up to my newsletter for weekly updates. And if you need additional support, you can join the WHM Collective, which is a supportive community of working homeschool moms where we delve deeper into topics that are going to help you thrive as a working homeschool mom. Or if you need one-to-one support, be sure to book in a session with me. I'm so excited for you to be here and I know you'll get so much value out of this episode. So let's get started. Working homeschool mom, I know how overwhelming it can be to choose a math curriculum for your homeschool. That's why I'd like to tell you about the online math curriculum we've been using for years, ctcmath.com. As far as math curriculums go, it has loads of great features that solve lots of the math issues we've had and I know a lot of homeschooling families have. Here are just a few of the many features that we really like. Questions are adaptive, which means the interactive questions change in difficulty depending on the student's ability. The program uses a smart algorithm that tracks the student's progress and delivers questions based on their exact needs. The student doesn't even know this is happening helping them to build confidence and master math concepts. Concepts are delivered through video tutorials and summaries which are clear, 
complete and easy to follow. It's like having your very own teacher. This ensures your children understand something before they're asked to practice it. And then for us parents, CTC Math has extensive reports which are so valuable in monitoring your child's progress and spotting any gaps. And they offer a 12-month money-back guarantee if this curriculum is not for you and your family. CTC will provide a full refund, no questions asked. But I think the most important thing is a whole lot less stress when it's math time for both parents and kids. You get to outsource math with confidence and your kids get a fantastic tailor-made program that makes learning and mastering math enjoyable and positive. Visit CTC Math today to start your free trial. CTC Math is also offering you, listener, an amazing special. When you go to ctcmath.com forward slash MLH, you can get a half price discount plus a bonus six months for free. That's ctcmath.com forward slash MLH. I'm really thrilled to welcome back onto the show Afsane Maradian, who is the founder of MLC Homeschool Coaching. She coaches parents who are struggling to homeschool their neurodivergent children. Her approach focuses on communication, planning, and connection. Afsane is a children's author and a doctoral candidate in education. As an educator and curriculum writer for over 20 years, she has worked with hundreds of students from preschool to graduate level. Afsane has appeared on the Consciously Parenting podcast, Authority Magazine, CHADD's Ask the Expert series, Mamas at Work podcast, ADHD is My Superpower podcast, Caregiver Chronicles podcast, and my podcast before... <laughs> and more and she is the host of the neurodiverse homeschooling summit and she loves watching the sunset with her family welcome back to the podcast Afsana. it's wonderful to have you back again oh, thank you so much for having me it's always such a thrill to get to chat with you and share support with your audience yes we do always have very interesting chats so and i think today's topic is going to be no different so we're going to be talking about homeschooling with triggers, anxiety, and trauma responses. And when I hear these words, and I think of homeschooling, they don't kind of mesh well together, or they probably will not make for a good homeschooling environment. But at the same time, I know what it can be like, obviously, to homeschool neurodiversity. So I'm really interested to hear how we as homeschooling moms can manage these kinds of situations. So how can we approach homeschooling when there are sensory triggers, severe anxiety and trauma? So I think the first thing is we often think that homeschooling means choose a curriculum or, you know, a math curriculum, a science curriculum, you know, choose all your materials, set up your space and start. And then when you have unique kids, it doesn't quite go that smoothly. Like that works for so many homeschooling families. And then for our families, you know, the kids say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or they are triggered or, you know, things start to <laughs> erupt and it can be very unnerving and very unsettling. So it's really taking a step back from the beginning and thinking about who your child is and looking at whatever curriculum you choose to buy or what you choose to do. And even if you want to make up your own units, which I, I sometimes work with my clients for doing their own units, you, you have to think about how your child is going to react to things. So if it's a science experiment that, you know, there's a lot of texture involved and you know how your child processes sticky or hard or rough or, you know, slimy things, you may have to, you know, make adjustments. So I'm not saying don't do it, but anticipate ahead of time 
what might happen, right? It's a similar thing if your child gets anxious about writing or drawing or anything, and you know that that's what you're going to do today, really just take a few minutes to kind of look at the plan, anticipate how they're going to react and see what modifications or what do you need to say ahead of time? How can you prepare them for what they're about to do? How can you give some additional support? Or really, you know, what modifications do you have to make? Or maybe that's really not, you know, do they have to do that activity? Maybe that's not the activity to do today just because the curriculum says so. And maybe you could take the topic that you're learning or the skills that you're practicing and do a different activity that won't cause so much upset. So it's really having that sort of approach to planning. Yes, that's such a good point. And I think when you start out as a as a homeschooler, as a parent of a neurodivergent child, I think you kind of need to build your confidence to get to that level though, right? Because you feel like it is the way that things should be. Maybe that's how you learned at school or, you know, you see other people doing this particular curriculum or these particular activities in that way. So I know it took me a while to kind of say, okay, you know, other people are doing it in another way. We are different and we're going to do it in our own way. So how can parents kind of build that confidence? Because it can be quite scary, I think, at the beginning. Sure. Well, first it's to say that if school was going to work, <laughs> your kid would be in school. So homeschooling has to be different and it has to be hyper, hyper, hyper customized for the kids that you're homeschooling and that you're working with. So you you just have to focus on them and their individual needs. And I think that the other part of it is that we don't really get prepared for this. And so it's okay if you need a coach, it's okay if you need some support, if you need some external support, that's totally fine because then you learn how to do it and you can do it on your own for many, many, many years to come. Mm, absolutely, that's such a good point. And I think also like, I know we spoke about this before, but like when I started, I was kind of a white knuckler. I was like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this on my own, but there's absolutely no need to do it on your own because there is support available now and more than before, and very kind of specialized support as well, I think, because there's support for all different kinds of homeschooling situations and environments. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, one thing about, you know, when our kids have triggers or high, you know, severe anxiety or trauma responses, sometimes we don't even know, you know, if if your child went to school for a bit, mine, mine went for, well, I said two years of preschool and was traumatized when it came to writing. So there's actually some trauma that builds up from school that we might not even know about. And it just, we only see it presented as as like just severe refusal. Like, no, I'm not gonna hold that pencil. I'm not gonna do math. I'm not gonna do art or whatever. And it it can take us really by surprise. So I always say, you know, for the, for the triggers, you know, <laughs> the anxiety, you know, you can plan ahead of time. And then for the ones you don't know, my you know genuine loving advice is to take it seriously to really validate the pain that your child is experiencing mm. so you know i have a moment that i talk about a lot where you know we were doing an activity and i said okay now you know take this piece of paper and the paper the same regular paper that we had used a million times before was too soft mm. The paper was just too soft. So I had a choice. I could say, no, it isn't. Do the assignment. You know, you're trying to get out of it. You're trying to procrastinate. You're being lazy. You're unmotivated. You're unfocused. You're a million things that I could label you and call you. 
Or I could say, oh no, it feels too soft right now. Okay, what are we going to do? Because we're going to do that activity, but how can we problem solve together so that you can use the paper without having to touch it? And like, yeah, the, the mittens went on. You know, my kid's like, I'm going to put my mittens on. It's like, okay, great. Now let's do the activity. So it doesn't have to become a very, you know, I don't want to use the word like dramatic. I don't want to minimize it all, but it, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to turn into a meltdown or a conflict or, you know, there doesn't have to be this emotional component to it. Your child is expressing that they're having a difficulty with something. And if you just say, yes, now let's figure it out instead of saying, well, that's that's not true, mm-hmm. right? The paper was fine this morning. Now you have a problem with it. Oh, you're just faking, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of that sort of like got you, you know, that I think sometimes because we feel like, well, we're the authority and we're the teacher and we have to like make sure that they are behaving a certain way and doing certain things, you know, in a certain way. If you let go of that and you just validate and you go with the pain, you know, treat the pain as if it's real, they feel supported, they feel calm, they feel regulated, and then they're more eager to do the to do the activity and work with you and collaborate with you because they feel heard and loved and seen and respected. So it's really the the two sides of working with kids who will have these very intense reactions and it seems like it's out of the blue and you don't know why and you don't know what to do and it's like in the middle of math and you just want to get through math because you really have other things to do today so it, it helps it helps to just kind of think about the planning piece for what you can anticipate and the communication piece for what you for what catches you by surprise sure absolutely and i think you you speak about connection as well and then i guess the when you do that, when you treat the pain as if it's real, you build up that connection, though, surely that's also part of them trusting you as a as a parent and kind of bonding as well, which you can which you sometimes need to do after they've come out of school, I think, because it's almost like you were so separated from them. You see them a few hours a day. So when they come out of school, you really kind of have to get to know them. You have to almost sometimes reestablish that bond and connection, I think, sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And they're they're changing all of the time. And things especially feel so differently from day to day. And it's, it's, it, is, it is a challenge. It is definitely a challenge to know what to do, to know when they need you know, a hug for that weighted pressure, to know when they need you to just agree with them and you know, just, drop, just drop that activity right now and come back to it another day. You know, there's, a, there's an art to it that does come, it does come from practice, but I think you have to know the techniques first, like you have to practice the techniques and then you build up the, the confidence and you get to feel so empowered with it. Mm. But it, it always helps if you try to see what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So if they had a teacher or any adult in their life criticize their artwork, let's yeah. say, then they probably think that they're really bad at art. And as much as you say, you can do it, you can do it, it doesn't override them thinking that they're not good at art. By doing art and feeling successful with it, they can feel that they're good at art. So it's how do we set them up for success and how do we create the conditions where they can try and take risks and feel really supported in that and then build up their confidence with it. So that that's a part of the job. I mean, it really is an extra, there's an extra component yeah. when you are homeschooling kids with who get easily frustrated, who are anxious, who have 
sensory triggers, there's, you know, or trauma that they've experienced, there's, there's definitely an extra component. So really putting yourself in their shoes as much as possible helps. And if you don't know how to do that, asking those questions, mm. really finding out what they're thinking and what they're experiencing. Because when we make assumptions, I feel like we're, we tend to be wrong. Like my kid would fall and I'd run with the ice and try to put it on their knee. And I'd say, my, I fell on my head. What are you doing? But I saw you fall. It was your knee. No, it's my head. So I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't make assumptions. I'm wrong. Mm. And it helps to just have the conversation, figure out what's going on. But then, you know, for next time, oh, my child has a lot of anxiety around doing this particular thing. And we're going to do that today. So what can I do ahead of time to help them through that? that and then you know what can you do in the process to really support them through it so that those things just help a lot Mm. (laughs) a lot a lot a lot with homeschooling i love it it sounds so positive as well what do you do uh, okay so this is a bit of a funny question what do you do if you think your homeschooler is faking a reaction to get out of doing an assignment or a task or something like that sure so i don't know about your parents but my parents constantly said from the time i had a baby don't let them manipulate you. Mm. Don't let them control, you know, take the reins and be in control. You're the parent. Don't be manipulated. Okay. I don't think that's very helpful. I really don't think that's a helpful framework, especially with neurodivergent kids, because they're not trying to do anything to us at all. So any form of resistance, any sign that they are going, you know, are refusing to do something, and that's homeschooling, but it's also brushing teeth or going to bed or putting something away you know there's they're pretty consistent in this it's resistance is behavior and behavior is communication Mm. so what are they communicating so if you think they're faking well okay let's go with that for a second they're faking because they can't do what you're asking them to do in the way you're asking them to do it and they're trying to come up with a polite excuse to not do it. Like when your friend calls and says, hey, let's go to a movie and you really don't want to, you say, oh, I'd love to, but I have to cook dinner. I'm so sorry, I can't go. We do that all of the time. We don't wanna hurt someone else's feelings. So we you know, make up an excuse for getting it. So it really becomes then, what is preventing your child from doing the thing that you're asking them? They're not able to do it, so why not? And then if you focus on that, you can help them. But If you think they're faking and they're not, then their parent isn't taking their pain seriously. And that has some pretty real implications for your child. Mm. So I think the rule, you know, I've watched Grey's Anatomy in the past, Dr. House, I love the medical shows and they always say, treat the pain, you know, oh, isn't it just a drug addict who wants more pain medication? They say, well, we have to treat the pain. And so my rule is treat the pain. If your child is expressing upset, take it seriously. Because just imagine if you were expressing upset and the person you're expressing it to is dismissive and tells you you're faking it, like it feels really bad. So take it seriously, get into that narrative, whether or not you think it's real, you can think whatever you want, but you put a concerned look on your face, a, you know, a very supportive tone. Oh no, what do we do? How can I help? Let's fix it. What do we do? And in that process, your child feels validated. They feel like what they are thinking and feeling matters to you. They don't have to fight you to get you to hear them. That's a lot of that 
the explosion that comes later is because they, they feel like they have to really get you to listen to them. So from the very beginning, you clearly are listening to them and you shift it into a problem solving conversation. You're empowering your child to take agency because the sensory stuff, it'll change as they develop, but it may never go away. Hmm. If there's sensory, you know, the, if there's auditory processing and they can't handle loud noises, well, that might be a part of their life forever. And when they're an independent adult and they maybe have a job and maybe there's loud noises, they're going to have to know what to do to help themselves in that moment. So you get these years to develop those problem solving skills with them. And then they can begin to anticipate, oh, we're going to go out to visit. No, we're going to grandma's house. Oh, those dogs are really loud, mom. Let me get my headphones. Mm. You know, and that's what we want them. We want them taking care of themselves and having that sort of independence. So if you validate, say, oh, yes, oh, I hear you. And then you say, what, what can we do? What can I do? How do we fix this? Then they don't have to become emotional. There doesn't have to be this emotional response. There's a very rational problem solving response where they then get to develop those skills. And so that I, I think there's ways to turn these moments into very productive, informative moments that they need for their future selves, you know, even tomorrow, right? They have to deal with this stuff all the time. And then, you know, far into the future as adults. And we then just get to play this loving, supportive role and not the the cop like i feel like it's very easy for us to turn into cops you know we're all like watching sometimes like we're security guards in the store watching what are you doing what are you going to do next right or we're cops like did you finish are you doing what you're supposed to do and it's it doesn't feel i don't think that feels good you know i definitely do fall into that sometimes but it doesn't feel good i would rather say, oh i hear you what what do you think we should do i would rather do that, then they take the lead, they're problem solving, I'm assisting, but I don't have to do all the thinking and the planning and taking the action and then trying to get them to come along with me in that process while they say, no, I don't want to, no, I don't want to. It's, it's a very different dynamic. So I think that, you know, we really have to see any sign of resistance very differently than just oppositional or defiant. And I know there's a diagnosis, right? ODD. Yes. But I think I think we have to see it as a bit more than just opposition for the sake of being oppositional. Mm. Mm, I love that. Yeah, like you said, you're putting the onus on them. They're taking ownership. Those, those skills are obviously invaluable as they grow up. But this is something, this is a question that I would very much like answered because my kids can be very resistant to many things, cleaning, brushing teeth, those kind of things, like you said, and also things that are challenging. I think avoidance is something that I think a lot of neurodivergent kids can do as a defense mechanism, I guess. They, they mm -hmm. prefer to avoid things. But how can you keep them regulated when they have to learn something challenging? How can you kind of make that transition or that process a little bit smoother? So I think that I mean, there's, there's, that's a huge, it's a huge question. And I, I will answer in the, you know, I can't, I can't give, you know, an hour long answer to the question, but in the, <laughs> in, the, in the briefest terms, I think there's a few, you know, I have to kind of break down the answer. So mm -hmm. one, there's more than one way to learn something. So mm -hmm. the way that it's presented in the curriculum that you've chosen is not the only way to learn that thing. So 
once you really know how your child learns, what makes them anxious, the types of, you know, you really have to kind of be a detective. Maybe you want to keep a journal. What, what kinds of assignments elicit more resistance from your child? Okay, well, maybe you don't do those kinds of assignments. So there's so, you know, there really are so many different ways to learn one topic or, and, and practice skills. So you might need to try a different approach to that. And again, I know that sounds really overwhelming and daunting. That's literally why I became a homeschooling coach to help parents figure this out. So I don't want to just throw this at you and say, oh, goodbye and good luck. Have fun with that. You know, really, you can get help with how to do this. But that's that's the first thing. If your child is consistently resisting um, a subject or a type of assignment, then yeah, it has to be approached differently. And that's, that's clear. Like I, you know, behavior issues with learning are planning issues. They, they're not able to do what you're asking them to do. So it has to be presented differently. So that's one thing. The, the general opposition, you know, our kids go through different stages. They're quite hormonal little beings and the hormones change and intensify as they get older. And you kind of know like, oh, my kid just turned 11. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, there it is. There's the, I hate you, but I don't know why. And I love you at the same time. And I don't know why I feel what I feel. Ah, right. And then they just, you know, their personalities, right. They turn five and they're different. They turn, you know, 10 or 11 and they begin be, you know, become so different. So I think that having structures in place, trying to make it less about you getting them to do something they don't want to do and then they turn on you in the process if it becomes structures in place and it's external like oh that's that's the schedule that's not me and if you want to go hang out with your friends or if you want to have screen time look at the schedule these are the things that have to be done before you can do that so don't get upset at me i'm just following the schedule too right so the natural consequences mm. become really key in this in this moment you know with kids that really dig their heels in really you know do not want to do stuff having those structures in place maybe the structures are developed in a family meeting maybe you're just deciding them because you know what you want to correct you're really tired of the dishes not being done and tired of asking them to do the dishes and so you know maybe the natural consequences if the dishes aren't done by a certain time then ooh, i don't know the password changes on the Wi-Fi. Oops. It's not my decision. It's just the structure, right? Oh, those are the house rules. Sorry. I, you know, it's not me. It's the rules. Don't blame me. Just, oops, what are you going to do? Wi-Fi changed, you know? So if really it helps to not make it you versus them mm. in, in every way possible, especially when it comes to learning and the avoidance thing, the avoidance thing, not ever, not always, but can be tied to anxiety. Neurodivergent kids suffer from a ton of anxiety. Mm. So really trying to dig down a little bit deeper to figure out what is causing the anxiety. Cause again, like, how can we know? Maybe there's anxiety about going to meet some new kids and you think it's social anxiety, but it's because they really wanted to wear a different pair of socks and they're very anxious about meeting these kids not wearing the socks they wanted to wear. It's very hard for us to know what's going on because our kids experience the world and process inf information in their own way that's not equaled by anyone else. They have their own experience and we have our own experience. So we can't, 
We can anticipate from knowing them to the best of our ability, but in that exact moment, when it seems like they're avoiding something, it is really hard for us to know exactly why. So it comes down to communicating. And, you know, as moms, <laughs> we say thousands of words a day. <laughs> we just, but we have to make sure that a lot of those words are also questions and that we are, you know, trying to find out in a way that doesn't seem like it's, you know, nagging, pestering, mm-hmm. you know, drilling into your child or, um, sarcastic or judgy or, you know, so are you not doing the dishes because you blah, 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 you know, like our tone matters because mm-hmm. <laughs> we get annoyed too. We're, we're humans, but it really, if it's just a genuine, like, oh, I'm just wondering how come you don't want to go, you know, what, what could we, is there anything we could do that would help you want to go, you know? So really seeing that we really have to just be detectives and i I just i see it as like it's like a video game with all these obstacles that our kids keep running up against and once we figure out what those obstacles are and we remove them they can just keep going Hmm. and that's that's what we want we want our kids to just keep going and to thrive and build their confidence and you know just have wonderful lives so we can't remove those obstacles if we don't know what they are and if we don't know how to remove them and that that's really the challenge for every homeschooling parent who's struggling in that. So not just with neurodivergent kids, if you have a very intense child, you might be struggling with similar things. But that I feel like that's really our role. We just want to set them up for success, remove those obstacles and cheer them on every step of the way. Mm, mm, I love that. When you say that it, it, you make it sound doable, because I think sometimes when you're in the moment, it is hard to kind of step back, I think, and not do it us against, you know, like you said, me against you or me against them. But I guess the more you practice, I assume the easier it gets. And I suppose awareness is also a big part of this. I suppose you have to be aware of what triggers you as well, though, right? Because, you know, I think that's also such a big thing about homeschooling is that you learn about all your triggers and your baggage and everything that you have as well that you brought along with you from your parents. It's kind of like a spotlight is put on it, I think, when you when you homeschool. Right. Well, well, you know, because you're a coach also. So what homeschooling parents need is to be set up for success themselves. Mm. You can't actually do that for your child if you're not sleeping enough, if you're mm. not drinking enough water. I have days where I'm like, I'm so dehydrated. When was my last sip of water? Did I eat breakfast today? You know, I always joke about self-care. I know you're an expert in self-care, but my joke is like self-care for homeschooling parents is like, can we eat breakfast (laughs) in like one go? You know, can I like read anything happening in the world for five minutes? You know, so it's a very different bar (laughs) for self-care for us. So if, if you are stressed and worried and anxious, and you're up really late looking for more curriculum to buy or more activities or supplements or, you know, trying to find some answers and you're not sleeping enough and you're feeling very worried and kind of insecure, right? My child's not learning enough math. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then they don't want to do a math assignment. You're going to have a much stronger reaction to that because it just reinforces your own worry and fear and stress and anxiety around that. So in order to be a calm, supportive problem solver, Mm -hmm. you have to be regulated, you have to meet your needs. And that is very hard to do when you're in the middle of what feels like chaos, it feels totally out of control, you might feel powerless in that situation. 
And, you know, again, that's really just why you help with that. You get support, mm -hmm. you, you know, come to me, come to Charlotte. We, we literally, this is our profession. We help you with this. So, you know, I show you how to set your kids up, but in the process, I do for you what you're going to do for your kids. So you actually learn how to do it by being on the receiving end of it and then practicing doing it for your own child. And that's how those skills get developed and the confidence and the, you know, the calm, the peace of mind, the like, oh, I've got this. I can do this for the next 10 years if you want to. It, it comes from that. Mm, awesome. I love that. Oh, thank you. This has been fantastic. As always, I learned so much from you. But before we finish off, I'd love to hear about this year's Neurodiverse Homeschooling Summit. Last year's one was a great success. I know you had a lot of people who, who attended. And I know we had a brief chat about what it's going to be like this year, but it sounds like you have some amazingly fantastic and exciting things happening. So maybe you can share what people can expect for the summit this year. Yeah, so this um, Neurodiverse Homeschooling Summit is all about the endless possibilities for learning and growth for you and for your homeschoolers. And um, some of the speakers are return speakers because they are so fabulous and they know so much. So I want you to have access to their expertise. So we're talking about things like you know, for kids who suffer from anxiety, some of their, you know, annoying behavior and you just can't take it. They're just so irritable. What do you do? And, you know, feel dealing with overwhelmed. There's so many, so many different topics for you as a parent. But then there's also amazing speakers talking about introducing your kids to being an entrepreneur or sort of the other the other opportunities that exist beyond the curriculum, Start, starting a podcast or you know starting a small business or you know really seeing how do we create full lives for our unique kids so i am beyond beyond thrilled to offer this to everyone and every speaker there's over 20 speakers and each speaker has a free resource to share and their websites have even more resources on it and it just gives you a whole long list of people who are your support team and you don't have to feel isolated. You don't have to feel like you're the only one dealing with these challenges and you just have to figure it out, sink or swim. That's that's not what, what we want for you at all. So from January 7th to the 22nd, join us for the Neurodiverse Homeschooling Summit and it's completely free to attend each day. And you can register at mlccoaching.com slash summit dash registration. And, and join us. I think there's just an endless, endless amount of knowledge for you to participate in. Absolutely, yes. And the last year's one was fantastic. And I know my audience absolutely loved it as well. They, they found so much value in it. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your insights and your experiences once again with my audience, Afsane. I know that I learned so much every time I chat to you and I know my audience feels the same. So thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Please let me know what your greatest takeaway was. You can reach out to me on Instagram at charlottejones247 or on my website at mylittlehomeschool.com or you could even drop me an email at hello at mylittlehomeschool.com. I'd be ever so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It will help spread the news about being a working homeschool mom and in that way we can build this wonderful supportive community together thank you so much for listening and until next time take care <music>